You are listening to the sermon series, Follow. In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of LifeLight Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. Okay, so today is the third um, Sunday of what? And Advent means what? Coming. Coming of something? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, coming, yeah. So, uh, we're going to touch on, we're going to continue learning from Luke chapter, um, end of chapter 12 today. Um, and following that, we'll finish up the rest of chapter 12. But next Sunday, we'll talk about Christmas. So, Yay, and um, Yay. I'll do my spiel on, you know, all the where Christmas came from and all that, and I'm going to need a volunteer to make a Lego model of uh, proper um, structure of where Jesus was born. Didn't you already make one? Yeah. I did, but I don't have it anymore, so, um, so if anybody wants to make a Lego model, there you go, of where, you know, exactly the word structure. Yeah. Yes, Legos. Yes, I have ton of Legos. <laughs> you have to get rid of some. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, let me pray, and we'll read the, uh, read the scripture text that we have today, and uh, we'll learn from it. Jesus, we pray that you help our minds, our tired body and tired mind, and uh, emotion that's all scattered, to bring together to focus on you and look unto you, and as we Look on your words, that your spirit will guide our hearts to understand, guide our mind to understand, guide our hearts to be softened, to open ourselves to it, and uh, your teaching will convict us, and uh, we live our lives, especially the way we treat our possessions and money, in the way that pleases you, and the way that builds your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we have uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 34. This is going to be very familiar words that you have heard or you have read before. So go ahead, let's go ahead and read it. I'll read one verse and you can read the next one. Verse 13. Remember, this is following where Jesus last week was talking about fear what? Man. Fear God and fear don't fear who? Men, right? So Jesus went whole thing about fear men, fear God, in the context of judgment, right? Judgment. So he had a really serious talk with the disciples and thousands that are gathered. And this is what happens following his talk. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, me to judge And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a story, the land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, and but, but are not rich toward God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your to your span of life? If then you are not able to do small things as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. <coughs> yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, how much more will they clothe you, you of little faith? 
And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. The word of the Lord. Well, so you read it. Uh, you can see it's familiar verses. Some of our favorite verses is in our um, text today. And you can tell the kind of the overall theme of what Jesus is talking about is possessions. What do you do with the possessions? What does the Bible say about possessions? Give it away. Give it away. There are many things. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about possessions. and it's, it's something that matters a lot to us. And when you look at Bible, someone counted it. You know, scholars, that's what scholars do. They sit in the library, they count how many times the possessions are mentioned. And it, it, it's 800 times in past, there are 800 passages in Old Testament and New Testament that talks about possessions. That talks about savings, talks about spending, talks about investing, tithing, and running a business, and running a family budget, and all of that. 800 times in the Bible. So, it's a big issue. You know, it's, it's a real issue for all of us, Right? It's something that matters to us because who doesn't need money? Right? Who doesn't need money? Who doesn't care about money and possessions? God. <laughs> you don't, okay. None of you are hippies, so you all care, right? It, it's things, stuff that matters. Whether you don't care or not, it's stuff, it's stuff that matters, right? It's, it matters to our lives. So when it comes to possessions, you look at it, and the kind of overall structure of the, of the words today that we have is there are two ways to go about it. There's a greed and there's anxiety. Right? There's a greed, which means when it comes to position, there are going to be people who's going to be wanting more, who's going to be having a lot, who's going to be striving to have more, just wanting more and more and more. That's greed, right? The other part of it, there's going to be people who doesn't have a lot, but who's worried about having, worried about not having, worried about losing what they have. So it goes in two ways. People who are greedy and people who are anxious about stuff. And in our society, a lot of it has to do, if you don't have it, you blame people who have, right? That's why we blame the rich, we blame the you know tax system, we br- blame illegal immigrants who come and take our jobs. Um, we blame people, <laughs> unrightly so, <laughs> right? We blame so, but when it comes to it, um, there's no you know we blame Chinese, right? Okay. Americans blame Chinese, <laughs> you know. Um, back in eighty in eighties. In Detroit, guess what? Who they blamed? Japanese, right? For all their cars, they took away the, you know, the business that Americans had with their wonderful, wonderful cars. <laughs> so that's how our society is. There are people who are greedy, and there are people who are anxious. And anxious people blame the ones who have, or ones who are making it worse for them. But Bible treats possessions differently um, than our culture. So that's what we're here. We're trying to understand what is Jesus teaching regarding possessions. Um, so, in regards to greed, Jesus tells us the story of par- the parable of the story of a rich man. And regarding the anxiety, he tells us basically, do not worry. And in that, Jesus presents another side in regards to possessions. Another side that's not greed, that's not anxiety. And he says, think of these things and give us another option. So we'll go ahead and look at the parable. I think maybe about a year ago or so, I actually taught out of this story. Um, but we'll, So we'll go a little briefly on that. But this is a story of a rich man, and the way it happens is interesting. The man, out of crowd, has a question, completely out of context. Jesus talks about judgment. Jesus talks about fearing man, and fear God, you know, don't fear man, fear God, and all of that. And out of thousands of people, I'm sure this guy stumbled over people just to get to the front of Jesus to ask one question, right? If you had thousands of people and there was a rock star, Britney Spears or whatever, (laughs) you get a chance to walk up to them, right? If you had one thing to say, what would you say, right? That's what this guy had. He had one chance to ask Jesus something, 
You know, others have come around and asked, like, teacher, what, what does this law say about this? Teacher, how, do I, how can I be righteous? Teacher, you know, how can I be with God and all of that stuff? This guy, the question is, I have an issue with money. Someone died in my family, my you know, father died or whatever, and there's an inheritance issue. Can you help me resolve this issue? That's what this guy asked. Out of context, it's totally, he's just thinking about, I have money issue. So, Jesus hears this, he answers, you know, he says in verse 14, Friend, who sent me be a judge and arbitrator over you? That's Jesus basically saying, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't care. That's not, you totally missed out what I was talking about. I don't care. These things are important to you, but they're not important for you. That's what Jesus is saying. And so, when you look at a situation like this man who asks these questions, there's two ways. He's either greedy He's wanting more out of the inheritance, but he's not getting it, so he's trying to get more. Or, he's anxious. He needs stuff, but he's not getting whatever issue is going on within the family. So, it's one of those two. So, Jesus tells the story. So, verse 16, he, tells, he uh, then told them a parable, but before he does that, guess what he says in verse 15? Verse 15, he says, take care. And when you take the words home today, take care, be on your guard, and against all kinds of greed. Jesus says, be careful, be on guard when it comes to greed, when it comes to possessions. So he tells a story. The rich man, obviously he's a successful rich man. He's, he had a business, he's a, he had a farming business. He's done well, he had a great year. So he's got a lot of crops, right? He's got a lot of crops. He's got a lot now. When um, you compare in this society, compared to this, this rich man, most people don't even have a pair, spare of anything. Most people don't have spare underwear, the inner garment. Most people don't have spare sandals. Most people just struggle to get by each day to have enough bread for the day, for his family. That's how the rest of the society is. This rich man had a lot. He's got crops that he has no room in his barn. So what does he do? He says, well, I will do this. Verse 18, I will put down my bonds and build the larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and all my goods. So when you look, listen to him, he's selfish, right? For this guy, it's all about him. Because you can see it in his words. He says, I, mine, my, myself, my soul. His Verse 19 he says, and I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> like me. Um, you have ample goods, you know, uh, laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. It's all about him. And when you look at the words that he says at the end, relax, eat, drink, be merry. What does that mean? What is that? What what, what picture do you get? Parties, parties, chill out, parties, chill out. be lazy, hobbits, hobbits. <laughs> 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 is that what we're going to see in the movie? Okay. Alright. So, well, relaxing, parties, and mostly like Florida, right? Vaca uh, vacation, but also retirement. This is what we strive for in our society in America. What is everyone's dream? Retirement, right? When I retire, I want to have a large house in a sunny place, soak up, relax, eat, drink, be merry. And nothing to worry about. I have everything laid out for my life. That I don't have to work anymore. Right? That's everyone's dream. Like some people in tech companies, like those people who retired from Apple, they'll retire like age of 45, 42, right? I should be retired at my age for some people, right? That's how they are. I'm retired. I just go spend money somewhere. Right? That's American dream. And that's what this guy is. I got everything I need stored up. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to retire. Um, verse 20. But God said to him, You fool! <laughs> this very night, life is being demanded of you, and things you have prepared, whose who's will they be? So God says, I'm going to kill you now. And who's going to have everything that you had? Last week we read, God has authority to what? Take your life, right? He has authority to take your life, but He has authority to do more than that, which is? Judge you. Bring judgment and send you to hell. As you choose to hell, right? God has authority. So we forget God has authority to kill you. Can God kill you if He wants to? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, right? He says, you fool, I'm going to kill you right now. And who's going to have your possessions? What's going to happen to it? And verse 21, so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So, basically, we got two choices out of this text. One choice is, be rich for yourself. That's one choice. The other choice is, rich toward God. Rich toward God. So, what does that mean? Being rich toward God. The first thing we got to kind of accept is that you guys, everyone who's sitting here, including myself, we are all rich. Who, who, who's, who thinks you're rich? Raise your hand if you think you're rich. Okay, middle class. You're, you're rich. I mean, we, we live in America. Average Americans in their lifetime, it says, will earn, that's you guys, right? You guys are young. Average American in their lifetime will earn how much? Two million dollars. That's the average American, right? You get an average job in their lifetime. <laughs> I don't know. The number I found wasn't really specific, right? Yeah, those of you who are still in school, you learn how much uh, tax means. Um, but, you know, in comparison to the rest of the world, and someone, some of you know who grew up in other countries, like I did, right? Um, like Esther, <laughs> Esther, es- Esther, when she was little, she lived in a, like a, you know, little place with all her family, like covered in tarp, right? That she, that you too? Yeah, too. in Mexico or whatever, right? China, you know, big, you know. Yeah, Nikki came from China, and you go to other countries. <laughs> See, Americans think that's camping, like, cool, we're camping. <laughs> but to the rest of the world, that's, that's life. That's, that's life. So compare that to us. I mean, we're complaining, the college kids aren't here, but, you know, they're, they think they're the poorest. Um, we're complaining, oh, we don't have another dad, we don't have this, we don't have a heat, we don't have insurance, we don't have, you know, enough couch, we don't have a large enough TV, we don't have... You know, iPhones and computers and all of that. Compared to the rest of the world, are we rich? We are. We are. We are extremely rich. Even though, you know, some of us will say, oh, we barely, I barely get by. We are rich. So, what does God say about being rich toward God? Um, when we're talking about God and positions, there's two false theologies that we take. First one is... Um, Prosperity theology. And that's when the church and people say, oh, if you believe in God, you will be rich. You will have everything you need. Or, reverse of that, and especially this, in this time of the, in the Bible, is if you're rich, God has blessed you. Um, that's the prosperity theology. God, rich, is connected, is what people believe. The other part, another part of that is poverty theology, which was popular in you know early part of Christianity, where it says, oh, if you believe in God, you should be poor. You shouldn't have any money. You should have nothing. You should just give everything away and be just very, very poor. Right? And flip side of that is, this time in the history, in the Bible, is if you're poor that God has cursed you, you're being, you, have, you, know, you have poor relationship with God, and that's what, how your life has turned out to be. That's two. Those two um, theology is that you're either rich because of God or poor because of God, or you should be poor because of God. So these are false. These are false. The theology that is correct, according to Jesus, is generosity theology. Generosity theology means you, we need to be a good steward of what we have, whether it's a lot or little. Which means you are being good at giving away, you're being made tidying, you're giving, you're good at sharing, right? So that's what we're called to do. Not the prosperity theology or poverty theology, but generosity theology, that we are being good stewards of what we have. I try to be, and I try to consider um, that everything that I have is belong to God. It's not mine, but it belongs to God, but I need to take good care of it. So when someone needs it, I will give it away. But when someone needs it, but is not going to use it well, then I don't give it away. You know, we are supposed to be good stewards of what we have. But some of you say, oh, well, I don't have a lot, right? And you would think, well, if God gives me a lot of money, if I become rich, or if I win a lottery, then I would be really good at sharing. 
right? But Bible says, unless you're, if you're not good with small things, can you be good with big things? You can't, right? You need to be good with small things, then God will give you larger things to take care of. Prosperity theology. Um, so the issue, when we take that, when we consider God in position, the issue really isn't whether you have a lot or where you, where you don't have a lot. The issue really is, what do you do with what you have? So it's not about having money or being rich, but it's about keeping money. It's not about having money or being rich, but it's about what you do with money. That's what matters. So in verse 35, Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out in unfailing, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So it's a heart issue when we are keeping possessions for ourselves. It's a heart issue. It's an important issue. And Jesus says, be generous. Be generous. So I was trying through this and I have conviction too. I, I need to look over how much I spend for myself, how I, well I do with my budget, and how much I'm sharing. Some of you are say, well, you know, I'm not really spending a lot for myself, but you just don't even have a budget. You have just no um, discipline in how you spend your money. So you're just spending as you go. And Oh, I don't have any money to you know, give to anybody or share with anybody or tithe. Or, uh, I'm sorry, I spend it all. So you need a discipline in your spending first. And in that discipline, you need to plan it out so you are being a good steward. And the same thing goes for the church. What I'm presenting on Tuesday at Church Board is presenting a different structure for finance. If we are teaching and if we're learning within our community that we are spent, we are sharing, then church ourselves, we as a finance as a whole, also needs to be sharing and giving. Uh, giving to the other parts of Nazarene ministry, to the district, but also spending money so that we're sharing with others that are in need. So, it's time for us to all of us to examine how we are being good steward or not, and how we are spending our money, and how whether we are being generous or not. Okay, so let's bring that this down to what it means. The theme today, the title of the message today is greed, anxiety, and lilies. So there are three things. Option one was greed. Option two was anxiety. Option three is what's being presented by Jesus. So when talking about greed. Using the parable, Jesus teaches us about this rich person. And the question we usually get is, well, is it sin to be rich? Right? Is it is it wrong to be rich? Right? Is it a sin? And the question and the answer is what? What do you think? No, right? It's not wrong to be rich. Like I said, it's about keeping money and what you're doing with money, not about money. So when you look at Bible and as, you know when you think logically, there are four different types of in regards to being rich. Okay, the first one is those who are righteous. Righteous means having a good relationship with God. You are God loving, loving people, and following Jesus. First, there are people who are righteous and rich. We see stories of those, those people in the Bible, like Abraham was righteous and rich. He had a ton of stuff. Um, we hear in the story of Job that he was righteous and rich at the same time, right? Um, some of you know, and I know, some people who are, who are part of Young Life and ministries and church who are righteous and rich, and they're generous with their money. Um, so we know that these are people who are rich, but love God and love people, and they use money. Right? They're generous. And there are people who are unrighteous and rich. These are the bad guys that, like if you look at some B-rating movie or you know old movies, you know there's a like really rich person who controls the town, right? You've seen some like like in Western movies or something, right? Controls. These are bad people who are crooks who basically love money, love themselves or having money, so they use God and use people. And we know people like that. And third, there are people who are unrighteous and poor. And what these people are, these people are the same as people who are unrighteous and rich, except that they haven't been very successful <laughs> in their doings, right? They're the same people. They love money. They want to use God and use people, but they just haven't been successful. And, you know, these are people you know we see as like street dogs, um, thieves who go to jail and who are poor, who's got issues, right? Unrighteous and poor. 
There's also unrighteous and poor, but there's also unwise and poor. Right, right. There's people unwise and poor. These are people who just are not very wise with what they have, right? So they spend it, they gamble, they do stuff that really robs them out of their possessions. They go, oh man, I'm poor, right? And they say, oh man, I need more money, right? I need more money. I need to win lottery. I need a better job. I need something. But what they really need is wisdom, because <laughs> it wouldn't matter if they have ten million dollars. They'll just throw it all out. A lot of people who win lottery, I, I hear it from the percentage, 70% of people who win lottery go bankrupt. Really, the money wasn't their problem, right? It was wisdom. Right? You can't be unwise, and if you're unwise, you're usually poor. Um, okay, lastly, righteous and poor. For example, we have Jesus. Jesus is righteous. Is he rich? No, he's poor. Like He doesn't have a place to sleep. He's got no money, no business running. He's dependent on everyone supporting him. He's sleeping over at somebody's house all the time. Jesus is poor, but he's righteous. There are people who are righteous, yet poor. So, what matters then? Being rich or poor? None of that matters, right? Being rich or poor doesn't matter. What matters is being righteous. What matters is being righteous. So, when it comes to possessions... It's not about how much you got, how much you don't have, but it's about whether are you righteous. Do you have a relationship with God, relationship with Jesus? Are you loving God and loving people? And when you and if you have money, are you using money to love God and love people? In Colossians chapter three verse five says, "Greed is idolatry." It says, um, "Put to death, therefore, whatever in you, earthly fornication." Impurity, passion, and desire, evil desire, and greed, and in parenthesis it says, which is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. Because greed means, I love something else, possessions more than God. Um, Tim Keller is a well-known pastor nowadays. He's a pastor of a large church in New York. A city church was started in San Francisco, was started by um, Tim Keller's church. And he's got a book called Counterfeit God. Um, counterfeit gods and he says he says in the surface there's a surface idol which is rich rich in possessions like I want to be rich I want to have these things as surface idol but deeper he says is a root of idol is your status I want to be known I want people to see what I'm wearing I want people to notice me be impressed by me security I need to have stuff so I make sure I don't have I'm, you know, I'm in trouble. Like, I want to store everything up like this guy so I can relax. Comfort, right? These are the rude idols that we have, the greed we have. So, a, there, is a, there is a part in Ten Commandments that talks about this, which is the last one. What is the last of the Ten Commandments? We just went through Exodus. Thank you, Eddie. It says, do not... Covet. What does coveting mean? Like want. Wanting, right? Coveting means wanting stuff, like loving of possessions and idolizing and lusting after stuff. That's coveting. You remember the Ten Commandment, and I told you an example, um, and I shared like, Hannah said like, oh, she went through all the Ten Commandments, right? Love God, you know, no... No false gods. And, you know, her Bible says pretend gods. Like, do not worship pretend gods. That's awesome, isn't it? Like, pretend gods. Yeah, she, she thinks that's silly. Ah, oh, you know, silly people love, you know, worship pretend gods. Right? Do not murder. Do not lie. You know, obey your parents. All that. She said, oh, great. Yeah, I can do all of that. And, but she says, but daddy, I can't, I can't do this one. Covering. Because I want stuff. I want, you know, toys that my friends have. You know, I can't. It, it's too hard. What did you say to her? <laughs> 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 we'll get to that. <clears throat> well, I, you know, it, oh, I said, I understand. That's hard. And it is, right? We all want stuff. We all want something that we don't even know we need it, right? That's the whole scheme of, you know... This company, right? And their, their whole thing was, like Steve Jobs have said, well, we're not going to do surveys and figure out what people want or need. We're going to tell them what they need. 
They're not even going to know about it until we tell them that's what they needed. That's what they came up with, right? The you know, whole thing about it is, like, you, don't even, you didn't even know that you need it, but it's there. Go, whoa, I guess I need it. Everybody's wanting it, so I must have it, right? So all of us are like that. All of us want something better and newer, like newer iPhone models and iPads, right? I got the newest one, so... <laughs> Who covets? I do, right? Your pastors are sinners. <laughs> you say that with me, so it comes to... Say, say, you know, repeat after me. My pastors are sinners. Your pastors covet. I covet. I want stuff. I like go to sleep thinking, oh, it'll be so... I drive by, look at a big house, and oh, I wish I could live there, right? I see a nicer car. For me, a nicer car is like a you know, little Toyota truck. But I see a car that I want, oh, I want that, right? I want someone with stuff, and go, oh, I'd like to have that too. I covet, right? I'm a sinner. The Bible says, Paul says himself, I'm the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners among all of us, right? It's hard. Everybody is coveting. It's, it's a problem for us. It's a sin. Could you explain that a little bit more? Because I feel like, what if you're hungry? You're not, you're not coveting after food, are you? That wouldn't be coveting. Coveting is wanting something that you don't need, something obsessive, to, you know, overly... It's not going after something that you need. But if you're wanting, like, oh, that looks good. I want to eat in that restaurant. That's coveting. It co- covers food and clothing, too, as much. said something like what if you just have that attraction to like that's cool <laughs> <laughs> do you want it well no, let's just say this. what do you think is opposite of coveting yeah. what is the opposite of covet coveting giving no opposite of covet is no, Josh being said it humble. being content <laughs> contentment is the opposite of coveting like that's nice, but do I need it? I'm okay with what I got. Yeah, that's I'm okay with this house. I'm okay with the clothes I'm wearing. I'm okay with all the gadgets I have. Or I'm okay. The content, being content is the opposite of coveting. And coveting is what, you know, that's basically what the marketing is all about. Marketing is chasing after the, our covetness, you know. When you go shopping in Christmas, you don't need it, but everyone is going shopping. So you're thinking, well, I'm, I, got, I better go shopping too. Who knows? There might be something I need that I don't know that I need. So I better go shopping. Right? And you come out with a bunch of stuff. Right? So it's either, there's two, right? There's either you either covet and idolize possessions, or you're content and you worship God. So it's not about being rich or poor, but whether you have righteousness with God and it's about your heart. Are you content and worshiping God or are you coveting and idolizing possessions? Number two, stress and anxiety. That's another option. And Jesus gives his saying, and it's wonderful. Um, Verse 22, Jesus says, he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and body, more than clothing. That's wonderful, right? This, people love to hear that. Right? People love to hear that. Oh, I'm not going to worry. I don't have to worry. It's really, you know, good stuff. But what Jesus is not saying is, and we have to clarify that, He's not saying, don't plan ahead. He's not saying, don't prepare. He's not saying, be lazy. He's not saying be responsible. He's not saying be immature. This is not your ticket to not doing anything. Because God's going to provide. God says, don't worry. I will feed you. I will close you. I will do everything. That's not what Jesus is saying. Right? That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying to be unwise or be poor and just sit and do nothing. And, you know, he's not saying, oh, just pray to God and God will give you jobs. Just pray to God and God will give you, you know, good grades. Pray to God and God will give you, you know, stuff that you need. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about stress and he's talking about anxiety. And in that, he's talking about fear. He's talking about fear. Last week, we talked about fear of men. And this week, he's talking about fear of stuff. So in verse 32, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid. That phrase is most frequently uttered command in the whole Bible. The whole Bible. The first five books of the Bible has it 613 times. It says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. The one that is repeated mostly in the Bible is, do not be afraid. What does that say about us? That we're people governed by our fear. We are people who are fearful. So, fear basically is our response to danger that is real or perceived. So fear doesn't necessarily need to be a real danger or real fear. People just make up the fear, right? People are feared about weird stuff. Like when you talk about phobia, I have a few. Weird phobia, right? You search on the web, you find this. I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna struggle through this because it's really hard to pronounce. First one is glossophobia. It's the number one on the list, which is fear of public speaking, right? Fear of public speaking. There is a fear called chorophobia, which is fear of clown. Clowns are scary. Number two. Now, now this is not in the list, but it's just random. But fear of clown is actually in ten top 10 fear of phobia of people. Okay, some random stuff. There's a fear of hair. Trichopathophobia. There's a fear of bald people. Um, Pladophobia. There's fear of ablutophobia, which is uh, fear of washing and cleaning. Some of you have that. (laughs) Or appear like you have that. Clean yourself. Clean up yourself. Um... <laughs> there is a lacano lacanophobia, which is fear of vegetables. Here's one. I'm gonna really struggle through this. Hippopotomonstrosesquipedaliophobia. Fear of long words. Long words. People have fear of long words. Um, Arachiputtyrophobia. Fear of peanut butter. <laughs> it's basically fear of peanut butter sticking on top of your in top of your mouth, right? Um, spectrophobia. Spectrophobia is fear of looking at one's own reflection. These are people who's afraid to look at the mirrors, right? And then there's a scopophobia, it's fear of other people looking at you. Um, dromophobia, fear of crossing the road. Uh, Chorophobia, fear of dancing. Some of us have. I, I think I have that. <laughs> um, in, 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 you know, in light of what we're talking today, there is a chromatophobia, which is fear of money. Right? Fear of money. And if you don't think you don't, you know, fear anything, or you're fearful of all of this, this is a, it's a phobophobia. Fear of phobia. <laughs> right? And those of you who doesn't think this is all funny... And it's, there's a thing called jellyophobia, which is fear of laughter. <laughs> the fear of laughter, right? So, there are this fear is something that doesn't need to be legit. Some people have to fears of all kinds of stuff. But there is fear that's legit, right? Worrying about what, you know, if you have constant threat, then that's right for fear. If you don't have food, and it's, you know, that's fear, right? If you lost power or your furnace went out and at 3 a.m. in the morning, there's nothing you can do and it's freezing, it's minus 16 degree, you have right to fear, right? There, are, there is a fear that's legitimate, right? There is fear that's legitimate. Um, so, regarding that, fear and possessions, there are three types in the way that we fear about possessions. Number one, we want something, um, but we don't have one. So, fear of wanting something but not having one is one. There's a fear of having something and losing. There's fear of having something that you don't want. And it comes with like a disease and sickness and, you know, relationships that you don't want and people around you that you don't want or whatever. So, people fear about positions. Number one, they fear because they don't have what they want. Number two, they fear because they're going to lose what they have that, 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 that they don't want to lose. So, because of this, the fear leads to anxiety. Fear, it stresses us out, right? It stresses us out. And what fear does is, whatever you fear about losing, speaks about what you value, 
like what your values are, what your values are. So you have anxiety, and anxiety leads to just physical symptoms, right? Sickness, and there are several um, signs of anxiety. You know, you're either nervous. Sometimes you're nervous. You twitch because you have such so much stress. Um, you just check out. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to be with anybody. You just want to be alone, yeah. right? Exhaustion. You're just tired. Some of you, some people have a mood swings. Like all of a sudden, you're just angry or you cry all of a sudden because you're just stressed out. Um, you have weight loss. Uh, you have moment of panic. I, for a while, I had a panic attacks, um, just being stressed out. You're feeling overwhelmed. That you fantasize about dying, and you know it leads to suicide. And some people have insomnia. Insomnia. You just can't sleep because of your stress. High blood pressure. Some people resort to junk food. You say comfort food. It's just eating ice cream and cake and just eating junk food, right? Um, some people just show their anxiety through uh, irresponsibility and just irritability and just aggressiveness, like driving, driving. Esther knows when I'm stressed out, if she's in the car with me, right? Just aggressive driving. Is she here? <laughs> right? Um, you can't go to bathroom. You have vowel um, symptoms that you have a hard time going, you know, to, you know. And um, you have headaches, um, you have heart trouble, uh, you're sick, you have stomach trouble, and you have a victim mentality, and um, you depend on caffeine, and you depend on alcohol and drugs because of your stress and because of your anxiety. Some people, you know, resort to shopping, shopping spree, like, ah, I'm so stressed, I'm going to go shopping and spend money. Um, Anxiety, we deal with these things, right? We deal with these things. But, you know, to be fair, there is time of anxiety, where it's really rightful time of anxiety. Some of us, everyone goes through a season of anxiety, right? There are times in our life just, it's too much, and there's a stress, and there's anxiety. So, Jesus is not saying, oh, you're anxious, that's sin. That's not what he's saying. He's, I understand you're anxious, Understand you're fearful of possessions. That's what Jesus is saying. There's anxiety in you because of that. So when it comes to possessions in life, we either gravi- gravitate toward having and wanting too much or coveting and, or, and being greedy or we're fearful of not having um, what we want or losing what we want. Um, and that leads to anxiety and, and stress. So what is the solution? The solution, Jesus says... He says, look at, <laughs> he says, look at the ravens and lilies. Here's the, here's what we say. If you read a book about stress and anxiety and you know, how to overcome and all of that, our society, our culture, what it will say is, if you are, you know, struggling with this, he says, pay more attention to yourself. That's what the books say. You read, you know, get to know yourself better, right? Love yourself more. Take care of yourself more is what the books will say. Jesus doesn't say that. He just goes completely opposite. What he says is, you're looking too much at yourself. You're thinking too much of yourself. Turn around, look onto something else. And he said, look at ravens. Look at lilies. That's what he says, right? He says, look at ravens and look at lilies. He says in verse 23, For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And, um, for, so for example, Jesus says, verse 24, Consider the ravens. They neither sow or reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Obviously, they don't. And we're worried about food. He says, do not worry about food. Look at the ravens. Who knows? Have you seen ravens? Are they a likable animal? <laughs> you know, creatures? No. They're vicious, right? They're thugs in the sky. They're thugs, right? <laughs> they are. Um, but Jesus says, even look at these ravens. I take care of them. They don't need to worry about what to eat. Uh, verse 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't have the you know, cotton-making, you know, toiling machine going on. But look at the way they're dressed. He says, don't worry about dressing. Look at the lilies. I take care of them. They're most beautifully dressed. And, you know, you said, well, why are you so worried about food and dressing? What is the two things that our society is most worried about? Food and dressing. <laughs> right? The restaurants that we go, a lot of, some of you are like food, what do you call it? Foodies. 
<laughs> what we wear, what we wear matters a lot. It, it's what, what matters a lot to our society, to us. And Jesus said, you're paying way too much attention to this. Don't worry about this. And in verse 32 he says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Just look at the ravens, look at the ladies. I'll tell you, close with two things. I'll tell you two things. One, what Jesus is saying is, be powerless. He says, be powerless and know that you are powerless. And for that, Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock. What's little flock? Ships. Little ships. Ships are the dumbest animals on the planet. You tip them over, they don't know how to get up. <laughs> they are the dumbest animal. They don't know where to go. They don't know what. They don't. They don't know how to look for the food. They don't know what to do. Anything. They, these are the dumbest animals, right? So they need direction. They need guidance. They need to be taken care of by shepherds. And Jesus says, "Do not be afraid, little flock." <laughs> he calls us little sheep. That's good. That we have no power. And he says. Um, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do small things like that, then why do you worry about the rest? The problem of our fear, I think, is our self-claimed competency. That we think we have power. We think we can achieve things on our own. Completely on our own. That's the problem. That's why, if you read the newsletter, I give you a story of Spider-Man. Right? Wow. Spider-Man had all the power, but he, with the power came stress, and he said, oh, this is too much, and he let go of the power, he said, I can't save anybody, I'm just going to go to school and get a, do a job, and, you know, chase after the girl I love, and you see the movie, Spider-Man 2, I like it, <laughs> um, he's happy, you know, there's a, dun, 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 there's a really sunshine song going on in the background, he's smiling, he's really happy, because he has let go, that he has the power, that there's so little I can do, right? So the problem about fear and anxiety is that we think we're competent. And really, that's what our society drives us. Our society says, be competent. If you don't have stuff, that's because you don't have a power, you don't have a strength, you don't have a job, you don't have a skills, you don't have a, you know, knowledge, you didn't go to the right school. Be competent. So you can do this stuff. You can do it yourself. All on your own. And that's really our problem. We think that we can solve our problems all entirely on our own. But the truth is, God calls us little flock. You can't do anything. Why do you worry when you can do so little? So the challenge for us is, can you accept that there's little we can do and we're dependent on power of God? Number two, Jesus calls us to look to God. And you look at it, go ahead and look at the, the text that, I, uh, that we have printed out. It says... You look at the big words that I, the, the fonts that I made big. Um, starting with verse 4. It says, consider the ravens, blah, blah, blah. Yet God leads them. Right? Consider the lilies. But if God so close them, how much will He close you? Do not, do not keep stressing. And your Father knows these things. Do not be afraid, little flag. It is your Father's good pleasure. What does God, Jesus do? Jesus said, these are things that you're struggling, but look at what? Look at God. Look at God. The problem is that we don't know enough about God. We don't trust God. We don't look to God. We don't set aside and believe we have the power. And if we fail, we set aside and we have power. And if we fail, oh, it's our fault. And we forget God. That's why Jesus says, you of little faith. He's, Jesus is crying out to us when He's saying, He sees us stressing out, He sees us having a hard time and being, being anxious, stressing out, being depressed, having issues, and He says, come on, look at God. Think of God. Trust in God that He is good. That's the whole issue. And when we don't, He says, you have little faith. Don't you know that God is good? And He is your Father. He says, this is your Father's good pleasure to give you stuff. Jesus is crying out to us, you and I, to think of God and trust God. And that He is your Father. 
So, we have our possessions. When it comes to possessions, we need to watch out, be careful, protect ourselves from being greedy. And we need to have practice the generous, theology of generosity, sharing and giving with our possessions. And when we're anxious, we need to look at God. Don't forget God. Look to God. And that's what Jesus teaches us. And when you think of Jesus, we're going to share the uh, bread and the cup. Jesus knows what it means to, what it's like to fear. Especially at this time as Jesus is sharing, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to cross. He knows what it's like to fear and be anxious. He knows it. And he knows that we sometimes become that. And he says, don't fear. I'll guide you. You are just a little flock. And he's going to be a shepherd. He is a shepherd for us. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray that uh, your words would convict all of us to look at the way we treat our possessions um, and repent and uh, that we'll be, we will be a good steward and um, help us know that at the times of anxiety and times that we worry and stress out, help us to look to you and that you are a good father who to whom it is pleasure to give us stuff we need, that there's nothing to fear, nothing to be worried, and that we will have you whispering in our ears, do not be afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. 